Praise the Lord. Yeah, uh, we want to continue. I mentioned this before. And uh, so we want to deal with this particular subject. And I pray that you pay good attention, just like he was trying to admonish us. It's very important we know and understand what we believe. Very important. I gave us some keys sometime. What you can do in specific subjects, you see, you do what I call tracking. There are some scriptures that by the side of those scriptures or verses, you can put another scripture. In case you do not have your notes always with you, but you can have your Bible with you. So you can easily track, just like a reference, you can easily track and then you can be able to explain some of these things. And it's very important that we know how to go about them. Praise the Lord. So uh, this evening we're going to be dealing with principalities and powers. I know, excuse me, this uh, to me is, is, is an interesting subject. And it's a common one that I think you know, you've heard. And there are a lot of interpretation to it. But I just want us to look at the Bible tonight and find out uh, maybe the way we have believed it. If this is the way it should be, or there is something to it. Hallelujah. And so our major scripture is going to be Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Praise the Lord. And in Colossians 2, uh, 13 down to 15, the Bible says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had it quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. He spoiled principalities and powers. And basically when we read this, what often comes to our mind because of what we believe and have been taught is this have to do with the hierarchies of demons. Am I correct? Yeah. This is hierarchy of demons. And uh, sometimes when you're praying, you often use it. Or people use it. Oh, gospel principalities and powers. Christ destroyed principalities and powers. So you use that. I'm standing on it and so on. Personally, I've done that some years back. Uh, when I was conducting deliverance and things like that. Done that. Uh, but then, let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Hallelujah. And I think it's an interesting thing. Now, principality... Um, as defined by this brother, which I also believe, I have to quote him, Paul A. Price. He said, the word principality means territory and all the ruling sphere of a ruling prince who is the offspring of a king or queen. The church of the Lord is his principality in the earth. Specifically, the apostles established regions of massive principality throughout the world. I just love what he said. Simple definition of the word principality. So principality is not just a word reserved for demons. Amen? 
I want you to understand, principality is not a word reserved for demons. So anytime you read principality, you read powers, the first thing that jumps into your mind is, oh, these are demons. So I want you to look at the definition this guy gave, which I believe is very, very accurate. The territory and all the ruling sphere of a ruling prince who is the offspring of a king or a queen. Hmm? And of course, we do know the church is an offspring of God. Hallelujah. Are you there? So here he said, the church of the Lord is his principality in the earth. And that's an interesting thing to me. Hallelujah. And so sometimes if you look at this, you find that why are you talking about principalities with demons? Other realms of creation, they are seeing you as a principality. <laughs> Can you see what I mean by that? You are a principality, but you don't know because you are not spring of a king. And there are territories that you are ruling over. That's what it means. It doesn't mean evil all the time. Glory to God. Are you there? I read the Bible. Okay, follow on. Okay, now, so he said, specifically, like he said, the apostles established regions of massive principalities throughout the whole world. By implication, Wherever the apostles have their strongholds, as it were, by reason of their influence, that becomes what? A principality. You see, principality is synonymous to the word stronghold, to me. Is that all right? Are you there? Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it from ordinarily, principality, principal, or the principal of a school, is the leader, is the one that has influence over a particular sphere of operation which has to do with the academic institution right hallelujah the vice chancellor of university is a principality in that institution you following this now okay so understand this simple definition it's very very crucial and it's going to make us see better i believe the true spirit of the word. Remember, we are dealing with Colossians 2, 13 to 15. That's our main text that we're dealing with. Um, okay, so let's move on. Now, when you get down to uh, Ephesians, we get down to Ephesians, and then uh, we look at 11 down to 12, and then Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. So here we find, the Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wires of the devil, the tricks of the devil. So, and I also want you to know the word wires, which has to do with the word tricks. The devil doesn't have anything so strong. He only works in tricks and by tricks. Can I animate to that? And that's exactly how the Bible defines it. The devil has no power. He's a trickster. Now, you see, he deceives you with his tricks and you fall victim of your own foolishness. That's why I want to put it. It's just a trickster. Okay? Alright. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, basically this scripture tells us that the word of our spirit that is functioning. I'm going to explain this. In fact, I'm determined to do another study on this. In a subsequent teaching and we're going to study just this particular passage i'm going to look at all the armors i'm going to find out what the armors are meant for do you understand this okay if you i know but now it shouldn't be a difficulty for you to understand what rulers of darkness stands for 
It's not talking about, I have told you before, sometimes you confuse these languages because your common understanding is when you say rulers of darkness, talking about, uh, you know, witchcraft, diabolical things, or whatever, things like that. But don't you forget, when the Bible talks about the treasures of darkness in Isaiah 45 that God said was going to give to Cyrus, it had nothing to do with diabolical treasures. He was saying the unbelieving world who are not in the light, their money will be given to you to build the walls of Jerusalem. That is what the treasures of darkness means. So you should understand what darkness means. Listen, the Bible says you were once in darkness, now are ye light. That doesn't mean you were a witch. Does it make sense? The man that is in darkness is a man that has no light. So rulers of darkness simply means the people who are not in the light, but they have authority as unbelievers. And you can even translate that to mean people like the Jews, and the, 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 the Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogue. They were all rulers, but rulers of darkness because they were not in the light. Are you still there with me? Okay. And then talk about spiritual wickedness in high places. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave this so that I'll find out to define it. But if you talk of high places, let me leave that. Okay, let me leave that. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past. Now follow this. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh where? In the children of disobedience. So even if there is anything called a devil, it walks through a man. Hallelujah. How does Christ function on the earth today? Through a man which has to do with his body. Hallelujah. The church is the body of Christ and the beast is the system of the devil. It's still a people functioning through a particular spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, I think... We're going to, we, when we stop this, we're going to pick up from this so that we'll have a full study on that so that you can understand it. Praise the Lord. Okay, so here we're talking about spirit that walks through people. Understand that. You can call their principalities too, powers and rulers of darkness of this world. I just want you to see that much more basically later. Now, the darkness is basically spiritual darkness, that which is prevailing during this present state of things called the present evil world. If you look at Galatians 1 4, the Bible talks about Christ. Delivering us from this present evil world. That's just a simple definition. So the prevailing situation in this present evil world is what we term darkness. So rulers of darkness and men will function with the prevailing circumstances of this present age. Which God has come to deliver us from. Are you following this? So if you talk about principalities and powers of darkness then, you are talking about those who rule through the influence of the present evil world. And that is what God came to deliver us from. Now watch that. Is anybody there in Galatians 1 verse 4? Read it in your Bible and see what I'm talking about. Hmm? It talks about Christ coming to deliver us from the present evil world. Is it there? Check your Bible. Come on. So what is evil in this world? Why is this word term evil? Did you get that? Hallelujah. So that is just what it is. Now you watch this. To which we are supposed to be delivered from. In other words, we are supposed to be delivered from this present evil world by our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. Did you get the picture there? Okay, now. And the wicked spirit that does quit continually opposes our faith. 
our love for God and our holiness to the Lord, either by force or fraud, and labor to infuse into us unbelief. This is where you're about to realize unbelief, pride, idolatry, malice, envy, anger, hatred, and that that wants us not to let go all these things. That is any power, anything, listen very closely, that makes you to stay on these things. Pride. Are you following it now? Unbelief, idolatry, malice, envy, anger, hatred. You are just under the influence of this present evil world. You are under the influence that there is a principality now controlling you. So when we're talking about the rulers of darkness, we're talking about forces that makes it or challenges our belief and our conviction to live the life of God by faith. That is your problem. Hallelujah. That basically is your problem. Ask yourself this question. The disciples of Jesus, how many of them were afraid of devils? While he was with them, the 12. No, think about that. Now, how come the church today is so much afraid of the devil? I mean, think about it. In other words, we are still being influenced by this present evil world to doubt even our position in God. This is what principality of power is all about. Ruling your life from behind the same, the wicked spirit of this present evil age. Listen to me. They don't have any power. They only have the means of deceiving you not to believe as you ought to believe. And then you become a victim. Most often you are a victim of yourself. Praise the living God. Amen. Okay. Is this a little bit okay? I want you to understand basically what we are supposed to walk in. What this spirit are opposing is what? Our faith. Our love for God. Our holiness to the Lord. And it can be done by either by force or by fraud. When I talk about force, people can literally tell you not to preach Christ. Am I right? Literally, people can tell you to do that. Principalities. Rulers of this wicked world. Can you imagine what they told Jesus coming, the disciples of Jesus? We don't want you to preach in this name again. By force. Did you get what I'm saying? <laughs> Sunday is ministering to me. Maybe preach it fully. When people talk about the kingdom of this world, I mean, God, they those violence are taking it by force. Have you heard that before? <laughs> now, do you remember that the two sons of Eli was also taking the food by force? <laughs> it's okay. That's a different story. Okay, so watch that. Okay, do you understand this? So basically, the love of Christ, the faith we have, takes us out of all of those things as pride and unbelief, self. In fact, everything that has to do with the work of the flesh is under the present evil work. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Okay, so let's move on just a little bit. So the struggle basically is on how to overcome this spirit trying to walk in us, not to live the life given to us. So I refer to this spirit as fallen angels. I don't want to contend here but they can also be human agents in all places and in authority. 
Now, while I said that, somebody asked me a question recently. It's a pastor from Kenya. What have you got to say about fallen angels? I simply told the person, I don't want to speak through this medium, but we trust that by December we'll be in Kenya. We talk. Then we open the scriptures. Hallelujah. Amen? Because by the time you're talking about fallen angels, you're automatically talking about four, I mean, Isaiah chapter 14. That is where the basis come from. So by the time you understand Isaiah chapter 14, not to mean an angel, but a person, then you're going to find out who are the fallen angels. I don't know. Hallelujah. Okay. So this is the struggle in life is between good and evil. And evil in this sense is not necessarily the things you see outside because if you look at the scripture, wickedness is not just because you kill a person. Wickedness is a man who does not have I'm sorry about that. No, this is fine. The volume is quite okay too. Okay. So now, um, we're talking about the struggle, like I said, is basically between doing that which is right by faith and your belief in Christ and that which is not right and you are not supposed to be that basically is the struggle and being under the influence of the principalities of this world or the rulers of darkness of this world. Okay, now let's quickly look at, uh, sorry for that break. The microphone failed. Okay. Now, I want us to look at the scripture. Uh, Colossians 1.16. Remember, we're dealing with principalities and powers. Colossians 1.16. Praise the Lord. Who created all things? The Bible says, Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in heaven, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And it is for all things and by him all things consist. Hallelujah. So who created all things? Now, you see, this is where people get some confusion. If I may use the word, because they often say Christ is the first creation of God. But here the Bible is saying Christ created all things. Am I correct? So if Christ created all things, then he cannot be created because a creature cannot create things. Does it make sense? Hmm? <laughs> if the Bible says he created all things, then he must be God. Is that all right? He couldn't be a creature. Because if you say he's the first creature in that sense, it means he was created. But here the Bible is saying he created all things. Now the common understanding now is trying to say, well, he created him, then he created. Not necessarily so. He is but one. Can I hear an amen to that? So Christ is here represented as creator of the universe. All things were created by him in heaven and in earth. All the angels in their several other degrees and dignitaries. That also makes him God because a creature cannot be responsible for creating. Basically. In that sense. Okay. Now, but what I want you to understand is this. Whatever thing you want to call principalities about. Because I want you to understand what we're dealing with tonight. The issue of principalities and powers. And here the Bible is saying God created them. So even if you say they are devils. It means he did what? Am I making sense? Good. So even if they are devils, even if they are principalities, our powers are devils. Fine. Who created them? God. 
So your own belief is saying that even the devils, they are God's messengers. That is your belief. If you come to understand what we're dealing with tonight. Hallelujah. He created all things. Principalities and powers. That is why I'm saying that the word principalities and powers is not an exclusive term for demonic operations. Because if you take it to be in that sense, like I said, it simply means you're saying Jesus created the devils. And if he does create the devils, it also means the most function. Because everything created has a role to play. Does it make sense? Okay. Let's move on. So what then do we have in Colossians 2 verse 13? There's the main thing we want to do with tonight. Hallelujah. In Colossians 2 13 down to 15, again we'll read. Are you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh? Are they quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. Now, this is the story. If you look at our picture there, the Bible tells us of what Jesus did. He took all the ordinances that was against us and nailed them to the cross. How many of you remember that? Okay. Now he says, the traditional belief is this. That the laws of Moses were given to him by angels. And so the curtains of the temple were all designed with angelic pictures. Unfortunately, I don't have the pictures here. I wanted this scan so that you can see it. If you truly go and look at the tabernacle in the wilderness, all the curtains like this one, you see angels pictured there in the most holy place. Because of believing, the angels gave these laws to Moses to write down. I want you to follow what I'm saying now because it's very important. So now, if you look at Galatians 3 verse 18, you see what I'm saying. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more of promise. But Lord gave it to Abraham by promise, verse 19 says. Wherefore then, serve the law. It was added because of transgression to the seed you come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by what? By angels in the hand of what? A mediator. Who is the mediator there? Moses. Did you get the picture now? Alright. So understand. The laws were delivered to Moses through angels. And in order to put them where they belong as at that time, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, you have all the pictures of angels all through there. So if you open the tabernacle, the most holy place, you're going to be seeing angels, pictures all over. Because why? They were the mediators of, I mean, they were the one that gave the laws to Moses. Moses was the mediator between God and man, but angels gave the laws to him. Now, as we read now, you're going to find out. On your own, take time to study that Colossians 2, and you see precisely what I'm talking about. But I will mention a few things as we go on. But are we okay with this? Hallelujah. Now, look at the next thing. Because angels was believed to be the ones that gave the laws to Moses, angels were worshipped. In 
Now, if you read that passage closely, you're going to see what the Bible says. Let no man deceive you into the worship of angels. Have you noticed that? Why is he saying so? This is the reason. Because angels were believed to be the one that gave the laws to Moses right then. And right from that time, angels were held in high honor and were even being worshipped. And because angels were being worshipped, hallelujah, then God himself was placed behind the scene, if I may use the word. In other words, it was a distraction from the true faith in God now into the creatures of God in place of God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So like I said, yeah, people have been distracted from the true creature. Now God has been brought, God has brought that order of the Lord to an end by the means of the crucifixion. These angelic powers have lost the one thing that had given them power and so they too must acknowledge that Christ has triumphed. Now listen, when the Bible says he nailed those ordinances that was against us to his cross, triumphing over them, making a show of principalities and powers. What is he talking about? He wasn't making a show of devils. He's trying to tell the whole world and to tell the angelic realm that they no longer have authority to be worshipped. Neither is their own power still existing. What does that mean? The restraint of the authority of the angels was the law. Are you listening to me? That is what gave them strength. And that is why they believe, people believe to worship the angel. Because like I said in Galatians, they were the one that gave the laws to Moses. So they were highly respected. But when Jesus went to the cross, took the laws, the ordinances that was against us, and everything which they seems to have delivered to Moses, nearly to his cross, he made the public show of them that they no longer have that authority which they had before then. Are you following what I'm talking about here? So when he says he make a public show of principalities and powers, it has nothing one bit to do with devils. Are you following the picture? Nothing to do with the devil. It has to do with the angels that was highly respected. Now, if you read on, I think, uh, I don't know if I put it here, but let me just read on part of the notes I put down here. But I think verse 18, I don't know if anybody is in verse 18, Colossians 2 verse 18. Uh, what do you find in verse 18? Just read it. What do you find there? Colossians 2 18. Yeah. Do not allow yourself to be condemned by anyone who claims to be superior because of special visions. Fines. We insist on false humility and what? The worship of angels. That's the key. Don't allow yourself to be deceived anymore. Why? Because the strength of the angelic realm Christ had nailed to the cross without to do with the laws. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. So when we make principles and powers, basically it's talking about the angels who had authority over man's life because they were the one that gave the laws to Moses. Now, so let's progress. Again, principles and powers over whom Christ triumphed. The apostles means the whole, I mean, who were the rulers and the chief in the Sanhedrin and synagogues in the natural. And who had great authority among the people, both in making constitutions and explaining traditions. 
the truth and spread of Christianity in Judea quite destroyed their spiritual power and domination. Just as the propagation of Protestantism, which was Christianity revived, destroyed wherever it appeared, the false doctrine and denomination of the Pope of Rome. The Pope of Rome was just the principality. Are you still following what I'm talking about? The leaders, the Sahendrins who were making the laws and putting people in subjection, they were all principalities. Just like the angel has authority through the law, the Sahendrin also had authority through the law and their constitutions. And so if you look at Colossians, probably say, let no man anymore put you under subjection. Thou shalt not eat, thou shalt not drink of the Sabbath, of worship of angels. Let no man. That's what he's saying. Why? Because Christ nailed the whole thing to the cross. So all principalities and powers that have power in those days before Christ went to the cross, these are the people that God made a show of publicly. You know what I was trying to say? Listen, listen, listen. There is a new order. Is that okay? You must know who to worship now. That is just what it means. Nothing to do with devils, nothing to do with anything. He's speaking of those in authority who are controlling people and what people actually were reverencing outside of God. Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay, verse 18 is here. Let no man, look at it. That's Colossians 2.18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he had not seen, verbally puffed up by his own fleshly mind. Did you get that? Hey, are you there? Good. Let no man deceive you. So the whole issue here in Colossians 2 was the issue of angelic worship. Praise the living God. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Colossians 2, 8. If you go back a little bit on your page, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are completing him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. He is not saying Christ is the head of demons. Did you get what I'm talking about? Because anytime you hear principality, your mind goes to devils and devils and devils. Christ is the head of all principalities and powers. What that means is every other ruling authority, even permitted by God, Christ is now ruling all over them. So whether they be angels, whether they be Sahendrins, whether they be governors, you know the Bible says he's the king of kings. Hallelujah. Are you following this? And they say you are completing him. That word complete is pleroma. Actually, it means the fullness of the Christ. The Christians share the pleroma, like I said here, which is the fullness of the Christ by being part of it. That is the Christ's body, and so he's raised to be higher than even the highest grade of angels. That means. When he says you are sitting together with heavenly places, by implication, you are above the principalities and powers. Because you are connected to the head, who is the head of all principalities and powers. So you must find your place in God at this moment. So you see, instead of buying down and worshiping angels and things like that, no, 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 that shouldn't be. The Bible is telling me, you are completing him. What I mean is that the real divinity of God is not being factored within your being. Hmm? Because the Bible says Christ is a fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you check that from the Amplified Translation, it says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all in him. It's a full expression of divinity. 
That's what the Bible is saying. So if you come to believe into what we're saying, because you are partaker of the Godhead, you are completing in me, you are sharing in the Godhead. So out of you should be from the expression of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And there is no devil, I mean, no, 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 no angel that is permitted to rule over you because I will be ruling over God. Did you get the picture there? That's why you are the head of all principalities of power. You are the head of all principalities. They are not devils, church. You understand what I'm talking about tonight. Ruling authorities that were there for a time being, if you will. Glory to God. Somebody need to be liberated. Hallelujah. The world play Roma is actually, you don't need to bother about this, the divinity filling Christ now in his body. In other words, the reason Christ through the incarnation and resurrection unites the divine and the created. The former is what he is by pre-existence and his present glory. The latter is as human. What he has assumed indirectly and as cosmic. What he assumed indirectly through being human. In this way, he himself is a pleroma of all possible categories of being. In other words, everything finds complete expression in who? In Christ. So he's the head. And as long as he is the head and you are connected to the head, all other things are under your feet. And that is why angel has to be your minister. Ministering spirit sent forth. Hallelujah. Oh, time. Come on. Let me see. Now, this interesting picture I want you to show you now. In Mark, I think Mark 15, 38. Remember? Hmm? Mark 15, 38. When the, the Bible tells us when Christ died. Remember that? The temple cutting was torn into two. Is that okay? Hallelujah. What would that mean to us? So when we talk then, the veil that was ran from top to bottom at the, at the temple and the crucifixion, the veil of the temple, according to Mark 15, 38, was rent in twain from top to bottom. It was simply the dethroning of the angelic authority. The law that we may have complete access to the Father without going through them as mediator. See, as long as the curtain were hanging, they were in authority. They were in power. They still have access to be worshipped. Are you following what I'm talking about? But when this curtain was torn into two, whether the one before the veil or the one that was hanging, whichever curtain was gone, the curtain simply opened the door. So everything that was hanging between you and God was put out of the place. Angels were removed out of the place that you now as a son can have access to your father. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Now, who is the church to the angelic world? I'm sure I can be able to get through this. In 1 Peter 1 verse number 9, who is the church to the angelic world? It's interesting you understand this. What is the position of the church in relation to the angelic world? That we were supposed to have been worshipping that men said we should worship before Christ went to the cross and then the church was born who is the church to the angelic world first Peter 1 verse 9 the Bible says receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your soul verse 10 of which salvation the prophet have inquired and said diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you searching what and what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. I'm interested in verse 12. 
unto him it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reporting reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the holy ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into did you follow that so even the angels did not understand what your salvation is all about. They, you see, they were talking about the church that's going to be forming. People are going to be redeemed. Prophet were speaking in those days. And everybody was wondering, even the prophet were wondering, what time is it going to happen? When will the Christ come? And when will the people be set free? When will redemption start? How will salvation go? Even the prophet were prophesying. They wanted to know. And the angels themselves, they were saying, oh, no, you know, it's like, hey, if this thing happened, then our authority is gone too. Hallelujah. The angels were also peeping to see. How can we figure out? Can you imagine that your salvation is completely sealed out from the hands of even angels? How much less anything called devil? Your life is not known by anything called devil. The way God is working your life out, the things he wants to do through you, I'm telling you the truth, they are sealed out. The glory that God has for you, I'm telling you. Sometimes people come and say, well, it's so fine. They say, because they have seen your star. Who saw your star? Mm, my life is hidden with Christ in God. Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Your salvation. And I want to say, even the things God wants to do in your life because you are his child is not known to angels. He can only commission them to do a thing part time. Their ministering spirit sent forth to minister unto the years of salvation. Period. When he sent them, they have an assignment. Other than that, they don't know much about what your life is all about. They don't know it. Praise the Lord. See, maybe I'll find time to really talk to us. Do you know, because of our position as children of God, and because we are supposed to be a priestly community, the greatest problem that God has today upon the face of the earth in advancing his kingdom is the priesthood. Why? Because we don't know and we don't believe even when it is declared. And that is what you find in the life of Zechariah. God is saying, I want how many of you understand, as long as Zechariah said, I don't believe, that means he will not allow John the Baptist to produce Jesus Christ and to open the kingdom for him. He won't allow it, but that was God's work. So the more reason why angel have to make him dumb. Because if John is not to be betted because of the unbelief, are you getting the picture? Of Zechariah, then the foreigner of Jesus will not be brought forth and Jesus will not show up. The greatest problem we have on earth today is the priesthood. That is you and me. Unbelief is our problem. We can't believe what God wants to do in our life. We are more concerned about what the devil wants to do. The Bible you read, I don't know. The angels God will send to you, will doubt them. The messengers he will send to you, you will still doubt them. How can you allow the new order to come into your life? God wanted to bring a new order. 
by sending John the Baptist. And the man that was supposed to receive that impartation doubted it. By implication, he's saying, God, I don't want a new order. <laughs> I'm just satisfied with ministering the temple. God help his church. Okay. Ephesians. Maybe I'm going to stop here. Ephesians 3 verse 8 down to 11. I'm saying, what is the place of the church today in relation to the angelic world? Or, basically, now, in relation to principalities and powers. Okay? Unto me, Paul is speaking, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. That as you preach among the Gentiles the unsettable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Was it the devils that Jesus and Paul was addressing now? <laughs> the same thing in Colossians. Let all authority, let the angelic world know. Through the church, what they were peeping to see have now been manifested. Let the church demonstrate the mind of God to this angelic world and even the prophet that were seeking to know. Are you still following this? Those who were peeping in First Peter, First Peter 1 9 now. Are you getting that? Now that the church has been better, now that redemption has come, let the church demonstrate what they didn't know. May they begin to find out now from the church what God has in mind. And we still see men buying down to angels today. To the internal now, unto the principles of powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. According to eternal purpose, which he proposed in Christ Jesus our God. Hallelujah. So I say here by the means of the church, God's manifold wisdom and the plan of redemption is displayed to angelic beings. Can I hear an amen to that? That means your life, your redemption, your glorification. Hey, come think about it. Your call. Remember what I say? He that he called, he justified. He that he justified does what? He glorified. He sanctified and he glorified. All those process of your being called, being justified, being sanctified, being glorified. It's a display that angels have no idea about. God's manifold wisdom. That is why I want to declare to you today, the glory that God has for you is hidden from even those things you call demons. It's hidden from them. They can't know it. They don't understand it. They can't tap into it. Even angels don't even know, except they are commissioned to come and deliver a message. You are so special a creature before God. Glory to God. Your life is a message to the angelic world. I want you to start writing some, some pages for the world to read. Some pages for the spirit realm to read. You are a picture. You are a page. Glory to God. They know nothing about redemption. Okay. I think I have one scripture here. Look at what he said. For I think that God has said, Paul is speaking, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9. For I think that God has said forth us, the apostles last as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world, and unto angels, and unto men. Spectacle. A display. And it's in both ways. 
Paul actually was taking it from the, the Roman amphitheater, what they were doing. They bring these people out to fight with bulls, take you in, when they give you weapon to fight to defend yourself. Sometimes they bring you out again. They take the weapon out from you. Other times they bring you out again finally because now you're going to be crucified. So it's like they bring you out three times just for entertainment. You know, things like that. But in the midst of that, there's a life being revealed. When Paul is saying, we the apostles, we seem to be that kind of people. Our death is a display of life. Everything about us is a message. Not only to men, but to angelic world. Am I talking to somebody tonight? This is where the church is. We are a message to the whole realm of the angelic world. All their powers have been short-circuited by God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, is anybody following this? I see something great, people of God. I, I don't know. I see the church, it ought to be standing where it ought to be. And the whole realm of creation ought to be looking onto the church. To see light, to see understanding, to know God's mind. They don't know. Angels don't know. Even the devil doesn't know. We are all being fooled by the tricks of the devil. The Bible calls it the wiles of the devil. The tricks of the devil. And the man that is being tricked is the man that is not wise. Only foolish people fall victims to craftiness of other people. Hallelujah. We're going to find time to study Ephesians very well so that you understand what I'm talking about. 